Welcome to the Didi and Latal Show. Advice, thoughts, and stories from a married couple on cybersecurity, technology, and life in general. Now here are your hosts, Didi and Latal. Hello, everyone. How is everybody doing? Welcome to the Didi and Lital show. Very happy to have you here. We have a guest today. But before we go, I want to plug in a promo to a great sponsors. We work at Ort and Hunters. Hi, Didi. How's it going? Things are awesome. Apparently, I was very, very, very wrong. Messi didn't choke. He didn't choke the, the game. I was sure he's going to choke it. They... led 2-0 it was an amazing game it was a great game amazing game this is why the world cup is the world cup and everybody that's not here watches it i i texted my buddies in south america when they choked the two goal lead first and then they choked the one goal lead but they really got it over the hump in the penalty kicks they see dd i i suffered because of the world cup so why? So if you look at my haircut, while I cut my hair short, it's, it's usually not this way. But the barbershop I go to, the guys are Moroccan. And I actually been avoiding it for the past couple of weeks because I thought maybe, hey, it's going to be pretty exciting. And, You'll and go to the up. Moroccan guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I actually had plans to go to Morocco in April. Okay. But then my wife's brother got into the Boston Marathon, so we decided to stay. And yesterday when I went to get my haircut, my Moroccan barbers were happy to see me. And they asked me like, hey, Dennis, are you... Are you still going to Morocco? Is it booked? I'm like, nah, I'm not going there anymore. I'm going to go to Croatia now. <laughs> <laughs> not a good way to start the conversation. It, 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 was, was he happy not, about it? it? <laughs> he asked me a few times whether I thought that was a funny joke. Uh, and then he took it out of my hair. Though it, it, you have to pay a little bit for, for making jokes like that. And I did not mind paying with a haircut. Yes, yes. So we have today with us a guest... Dennis, introduce yourself. Hey, my name is Dennis, um, Dennis Knezichian, and I am a technologist and long-term friend of, of Didi and Natal, and I am extremely happy to be invited to their awesome show to talk about technology, security, and soccer, or whatever else comes to their minds. Excellent, yeah. good. And we wanted you to come today so we can talk about building products, specifically security products, but we can talk because... Now you have your own different venture, so we'll plug it in in a minute. And we want to talk about building teams, because I think you have an interesting formula that I want to share with everyone. So let's start. Didi and Dennis, you've been working together for a while building technology. So maybe Correct. we start with this background and it will lead us to like your special sauce in yes. building technologies. And, and of course, I'll plug in the shirt because this is Vikings. Yay. This is going to be a repeated theme in our conversation. No worries. <laughs> That's a Viking. <laughs> nice. Nice. We're going to also, when I post it, I'll plug in the Muppets doing in the Navy with Vikings, which is going to be an interesting thing every time I think of Vikings. But I think as we talk through this, we'll get to the theme. Dennis and I know each other now for almost 10 years because I did the due diligence on the company he was working at the time. We can shamelessly yeah. give a, a plug you know, into I Deepak. I worked at Avexa for, for Deepak, who is well-known and awesome name in, in security, especially in identity. RSA and Didi ended up buying the company. And, uh, Worst mistake ever. 
Well, well, worked out for me, so I'm not, I'm not complaining. Worked out for me too. Yeah. yeah. So we became friends as we worked together at RSA, um, and after that, we had an awesome opportunity. One of the most exciting things I have done certainly in my career, and that was to build a product and a team from the ground up for an alpha project in Cisco. And what worked really well is that we have very similar views on how to do that, on how a team should be structured and what people should do, how they, they should work. And we were like great partners. It, it, it was an amazing journey and we'll tell you about it today and we'll tell you lessons learned and approaches taken and why at least we believe it worked well, right? Yes. And why, if you are building specifically a security company, this is the path to take. Because, uh, well, Dennis can talk about genie and life sciences and if it works there as well. And I believe it does. Yeah, it, it does. Like since since our adventure at Cisco, you've, you've left and, and done our own thing. So Didi went and he's, I would say, in my opinion, the key person at the world. And I went and co-founded the company in life sciences called Genie Life Sciences. And we continue to employ the same strategies for team building and execution. And it's, it's working great. We should just share it and see how it resonates with everybody else. Cool. So let me pause for a second and ask you what's an alpha project because that's pretty unique right it's like incubation of a startup within a giant cisco yes. and maybe that will also help those that are in corporates and not in startups think about yes. how you can apply what we're going to learn today so let's start by explaining what you did over there and so, Dennis, which one of us is going to give the PC version and which one of us is going to give the non-PC version? I thought we both start with non-PC version, okay. but I'm happy to take... Uh, you just have to start because you lead or how frank I can be in, in your podcast and okay. what language I can and cannot use. You, you, know? you, 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 yeah, can, yeah, yeah. you can use whatever. Though. We are non-PC oh, okay. here. So, right. I'll open this with... You can say whatever the fuck you want. Just to make Excellent. sure that we're clear. Now, so a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away... There was a guy called John Chambers, and he had a racket working in Cisco. What happened is he had a, a, a group of buddies of his that every time that he was stuck with the bureaucracy of Cisco, he would tell them, you know what, we want to build this, but bureaucracy will never let us build it, so go off and build it, and I'll buy you. That was kind of his model. It was spin in, spin out, spin in, spin out. The Nexus, which is one of their biggest switches, was built that way, and a few other things were built that way. And somebody... I think it was Pankaj basically realized that engineering is very unhappy in Cisco because we were sp spinning out a lot of money to third parties to build st stuff that we knew we should build. And the head of basically the chief product officer or the chief development officer, I think that was his kind of title, decided that he wants to build internal startups inside Cisco, which they will give money to in the form of stock, very much like a startup with goals of achieving sales, very much like a VC assesses. If to invest in a company, they'll continue to invest in the company and it continue to build the next steps. We had three milestones. Other companies had other milestones. There was technology goals and also selling goals. We had a goal and we have a t-shirt for that with the number 200 because 200? our goal was to sell to 200 security customers in Cisco. Within what time frame? In three years. Okay. Now, if you think in the grand scheme of things of Cisco, 
200 customers and is a piss in a bucket yeah because drop in the ocean exactly there's when we turned on Google Analytics for one of our firewall platforms we discovered that they had 200,000 people logging into that daily that kind of gives you a sense of the size of how much Cisco products are out there and that product by the way sucks but we'll discuss that at a later point in time sorry promote I, I had to say that but with regards to alpha project the idea was to create innovation from within it was the ability to create people inside Cisco teams and we were encouraged to hire internally from Cisco which we had limited success with but we all well, which we didn't do which we tried I didn't say we didn't try I just say we didn't do we did hire Sanjay yes there was one person hired the entire team from Cisco yes that is correct yeah correct and I stood in my head to to avoid the next hire that was and, and I, I don't mean the negative way right we certainly I said you tried but it didn't work out hiring is very hard I, I really believe that and you want to find a person you guys hopefully have read in Joel and software who is smart and get shit done and that's a that's a unique combination and those people are hard to find because once once they exist in the wild people don't let them go they, they just take them from one place to another to another they, they don't interview in the wild anymore and it's a long and painful 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 process um, and as we're going through it, we just didn't find folks maybe who had those properties at Cisco, maybe who had those properties, but didn't want to go and do an alpha project because they had fairly secure job and well-known prospects and didn't want to take the risk. I think there was also another thing. One of the things that I noticed when we went, remember we, we drove up to Boxborough to interview a whole bunch of, and one of the things I noticed, and this was a very different, and this is going to be a repeating theme throughout our conversation is the complete ownership. We talked to teams that were composed of 50, 60 people. Each one owned a nugget of data. If you wanted to have one thing done, you had to bring in 50 people to, I own that part of the horse and I own that part of the horse and I own the S and I own the nose. And there was no, no certain per, no one person that I could shake and say, who actually owns this functionality in the firewall? And because of that, we had that challenge, which reminds me, this is kind of rule number one of the, the, the DD and Dennis hiring model. Smart and get you done. Second, hire the best person you can. Our boss at that time, Sean, wanted to build a pyramid, like two very senior people, three more junior people, he hired, before we got there, Sachin, sorry about that, Sachin, I'm going to mention the fact that you couldn't write a single line of code when we hired you. And there were a whole, he wanted to build that hierarchy, which is a, a, a nice way to build pipeline. That's the corporate way. That's the corporate way. And or by the, the way, startup way, I guess. And by the way, Dennis thinks this is, what do you think about that, Dennis? I think it's stupid. <laughs> so why? So look, we, we're going to use we, we, we're use analogy, right? It's it's analogy we've been saving a little bit, but but uh, we kind of believe in kind of two broad spectrums of engineering teams, right? One is a village, and one is a Viking ship. And I, I'll I'll try to be a little bit neutral, even though I have a clear preference, and so does Didi, of course. So the Viking ship. There are some pros and cons to each, right? And when you on the Viking ship, everybody rose, right? N nobody is special. 
right? No, nobody gets some like unusual job. Everybody rows. If you don't row, you're thrown off the Viking ship. You swim if, with the sharks. You swim with the sharks. And, and like, look, if you want to be a cook, if you do want to be special, like, hey, I want to be a cook. I want to be a navigator. I go row. Once you're done rowing, you can cook, right? So, so everybody holds their own. Everybody contributes. It's clear what everybody contributes to. And, and the ship goes in, in one direction and everybody is incentivized to push the ship as quickly as you can in that one direction to go and pillage the village, right? In the village, on the other hand, life is very different. It's, it's a little bit more relaxed. You go and like you, you, you specialize. You plant your crops. You yeah, don't you, have you specialize. Sharks around uh, you. you didn't have sharks around you. Yeah. There's I, the blacksmith, and they they know how to deal with one thing. You have that's right. The 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 farmers that do other things. You have the merchants that deal yeah. with other things, and everybody's specialized. But you get a little bit slow and fat through that. The, the advantages I have to point out, right? Villages eventually grow into towns, right? And and have strong defenses, and and, and it's great. But if you want to disrupt, if you, if you want to attack, right? You 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 should. Be more like a Viking ship than a village. So we went off and we went off to hire. We just cared about, oh, are you going to do something? Are you going to be writing code? Are you going to write code? How yes. much code are you going to write? This came from somebody that will remain nameless that came to Dennis and me and said, I just want to be an architect. I just want to design. I just want to critique people's stuff. And critiquing by the Go way. Row and then critique. Exactly. And they didn't want to which is going to be another theme for another talk about the Peter principle and how that person is stuck at the same level that we hired him now 10 years later. Well, the guy that used uh, did row is now a DE. So there is an advantage even in big corporation for <coughs> rowing and understanding that you need to first and foremost do your job. This is this is actually a good maybe good, good segue on on to point something out. I I think People might be listening to that and they say, well, you know, and I use example of, of writing code is like, well, eventually you have other responsibilities. You have a lot of people reporting to you and, and you still writing code. Well, well no, you do that because you're lazy, right? I, I honestly believe that, right? That there is no reason to. Well, I understand if it's a thousand person organization and like you truly no longer village but a huge town yeah there are roles don't don't do that but if if you start up if you're disruptive if you're a small organization within the bigger part you better write code i'm going to give two examples one is our good friend drone uh, yeah. he's he's excellent and he right now at cisco is a d distinguished engineer distinguished engineer so if, if you look at cisco j just for those of you who don't know as an individual contributor it's the second most senior title you can get. Third. Third. You, for, you keep forgetting the, the fellow too. Yeah, sure. They're, they're two fellows. J j just to be clear, at Cisco, which has a huge number of people there, they're like six fellows, right? So so like less than executive VPs. So, so DE is conceivably as, as high as you will rise Probably in your career. And he's still on the ops rotation, meaning that if something goes down once every number of weeks, he gets paged. When, when something goes down, he'll go in, he'll dig in, and then he will uncover it and he'll fix it because he's a Viking and, and that's how you live. And, and I'll take that pr from perspective, maybe as not individual contributor, as a manager since I was running the engineering team. It didn't matter. I was out code. I, I think at some point, even when the team grew to like over 40. 20 direct reports, no, I mean, just even talking like yeah. direct reports, still continue to, you find time, you do it, you, you roll and then, and then you do whatever else you want to do that makes you special. But actually but it's you really important to row. 
So she yells at me because I do this at like 11 o'clock at night and she says that I disrupt her sleep. But I like to do the code reviews at that point in time because that's when I'm clearest. And I want to make sure that I know what people contribute. Th- there's no better way to know what everybody contributes besides code review. Because you can see who's cutting corners, who's affassing, and who's like really taking the time to think through things. You can also see through the code reviews who collaborates. Because you can see who actually asks, oh, hey, Anton, do you mind taking a look at my code? Who asks, hey, Yana, did I get this right? You can see who actually cares about the, the completeness of the task, which is another topic that we need to cover this time here, about the completeness versus the half-assing, which is, is not half-assing. I, I, I'm, I'm being dis, disingenuous. Bigger teams have QA teams. So you think I'm done with my stuff and somebody in QA will take a look at this and this is not my responsibility. Yeah, th- that's another, another example of spe- specialization and uh, splitting some, some of the responsibilities, which I'm also not, not a big fan of. I, we, we have always believed that instead of building horizontal teams where somebody does one thing, let's say architecture or UI or backend or QA, and then pass on to the next team, these, these areas where things get passed off, they, they create friction. People claim it's a necessity once you get big enough. I, I don't quite believe it. I think, I think vertical teams can, can scale very far. We've certainly scaled them very, very far. Yep. Um, you don't have a specialized UI person. Well, well, you, oh, you do, but everybody contribute a little bit. Like, the, what's the model? Because we that, do need somebody that understands a little bit more about UI, right? You're yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and this is an excellent question, right? So, so how does like a vertical team work, right? So, if if you think about, let's say, some traditional areas of knowledge, front end, back end, maybe infrastructure, database, maybe, maybe database, right? Sure. You have four, and depending on your product, depending on what you do, you'll split them slightly differently. So, so your vertical team. Um, you should have somebody who is an expert in each one of those areas. Maybe it won't. Maybe you can only cover three out of four. That's okay. And when work comes, right, and it's heavily focused on a given area, let's say it's UI, then you do have an expert and that person provides some of the leadership or help of what to do. But then everybody else contributes, right, just because it's not an area where they're the expert, right? They, they, they are proficient there. They're proficient there just being part of the team to learn and they do the work. And then maybe a few weeks later or a month later, there is a lot more focus on another area, let's say the database or the backend. And then that person takes more of a lead and helps everybody else adjust. And, and like, what's, what's the power of that? Why is that, why is that important? I've, I've seen lots of times where, where people try to build a backend, uh, sorry, a, a roadmap. So product managers, whoever, they build a roadmap and say, hey, this is what our product should do. And instead of focusing on business requirements, we need like A, B, or C to grow our business. What they would say, well, we need, this is how much we can do in the UI because this is how big the UI team and this is how much backend. So so, so the work ends up being driven by by capabilities versus by business need. That's not what we want. Like the reason you want these like critical teams is, is, any amount of work you have or any work you have, any team can pick up. So the next most important thing isn't going to be picked up by the one person who has expertise, but he won't be free or she won't be free for another six months. It will be picked up by the next team who's free and, and they'll do a good job at it. So so there is no technology or technological capabilities that shouldn't drive your business needs, right? Your business needs should drive what you create in technology. The Didi and Latal Show will return in a moment. The DD and Latal Show is sponsored by ORT. In today's world, identities are the perimeter protecting the organization and are the most exploited vector by attackers. 
If your security teams are struggling to maintain control of identity management tools, ORT can help. ORT offers a centralized platform for discovering, monitoring, assessing, and remediating identity threats to your business. While most security platforms can take weeks or months to start identifying and remediating risks, with ORT, your security teams can get started in as little as 30 minutes and start securing the identity perimeter immediately. ORT will surface the most critical vulnerabilities and give your security teams the recommended action steps. Start your trial today at ORT.io. That's O-O-R-T dot I-O. The Didi and Latal Show is sponsored by Hunters. Hunters helps your security team overcome data volume and complexity while significantly reducing false positives. Upwork uses Hunters SOC platform to remain threat focused. Because of Hunters, Upwork has been able to stop going through the daily repetitive task of looking at alerts and doing lengthy manual investigations. Learn more at hunters.ai. Let me ask you something before you go on, because I've been thinking about it. I'm not in dev. I run marketing teams and I do try to build my own Viking team. Everybody knows more of just their own role. People row together. I go and I know how to do things at the back end of my website. I know how to do SEO. I know how to plug in in LinkedIn ads and I'm trying to get my hands dirty as much as I can because I think you have to. You need to. You have to. You need to know. So if you think about other business function, and I think it will be really helpful for everyone listening because not everyone is in dev. That's not their fault. (laughs) Maybe they want to. Maybe that they will switch. Uh, We have teams of security teams on listening to us that build security teams. How do you think about those kind of teams, like, can they create a Viking ship? Of course, they of, can. of course, yeah, they it's, should, it's, right? It's, they should. How it's, do you it's think a about mindset. it? If you're in finance, what would you do? Like other functions, is it kind of like, because maybe people think, oh, that's that's fine. If you're in R and D, dev, it's not for me. So let's start with the the best example I have is the Snowflake world. Right now, when we talk to our account manager. At Snowflake. At Snowflake. She is a little bit of an SE, a little bit of a BDR, a little bit a little bit of everything. And you could see that the people talking to the customer, what they say, very much like our sales guy Pete, he says, I own everything customer. So that means that they need to know everything about the customer and whatever the customer needs is. It's a completeness. Now here comes the big challenge with a lot of the, what we just said. It's the how do you find the right people? Because even in finance, you'll feel you'll see the people that want to own. They will tell you, we wanted you to talk to us about what the business needs. We'll deal with everything, the mechanics of the the systems, the mechanics of the controls, the the mechanics of everything. And some of them you'll see are downright developers in Excel. People in a chart, they'll tell you we are recruiting, we are kind of business partners the, with the, that, with speci- that. Specialization in HR, I really don't believe in. It's, that, that's, a, that's a completely other ball of wax. But uh, by the way, I'm very grateful for our amazing 
CFO slash HR person, Gwen, she's amazing. We have HR, GD. We have an email you, address. It actually doesn't go anywhere, but you can you can email it. It's, it's called I need, hiring? A, I need an adult at genielifesciences.com. Yeah. Yeah, you can certainly reach out. And it goes it maybe goes to, to you or to... I, I, I don't believe it goes anywhere. It just exists, but there is nobody on the other end. You're yeah. not the adult. No. I, I was definitely not voted to be the adult, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Maybe Joe should be the adult. Maybe, maybe. We can certainly find a volunteer. Now, Dennis is very brave here when you sit behind the microphone and the green screen and everything is awesome. Dennis, when we were trying to recruit, so the Viking model sounds awesome on paper, but after you interviewed interviewee number 81. Oh yeah, it's 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 awful. Like, like here's where one of my big appreciations for, for DD came in. So, so let me, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll take a long explanation of like a few minutes because it's just worth it. It's incredibly important to, to hire the right person. It makes all the difference in the world. I was lucky enough to learn that early in my career and I only hire people who I believe are better than me, right? And when, when you have that person join, right, it's just a joy. There is, there is an immediate trust. There is immediately things get done. They get done correctly. You don't need to kind of cover or supplement or or just suffer just because you have a new person. And I, we ran statistics a bit because we interviewed just so many people, like hundreds, hundreds of people that we end up hiring about five percent. So so in order to be able to make it to the team, you have to be somewhere in the top five percent of the talent pool. And and when you go from person to person to person to person, like interview fatigue sets in. And interview fatigue, this is where Didi was heading. I, I, I got it much, much faster than Didi. And at some point you just like, okay, okay, just, just, I'll, I'll take that person. I, I'm done. I, I just can't, I can't do it anymore. But Didi had more strength. And when, when he saw me flounder and, and be ready to accept just about anybody, he, he would always jump in. And you know, to savagely sift through candidates and and continue to exclude ninety five percent of people who who came through. And at the end, that that just resulted in, in an amazing team, amazing team who just continued to get things done. So let's give some tips for interviewing. How to identify the so, Viking material? So first rule is the the Dennis and Didi method is somebody needs to be able to fix somebody else's code. If you can't fix somebody else's code, you're useless. If you can't write code fast, on demand, under pressure, you're useless. And third, do homework and be able to explain this. And this is a really important part, the homework, and I'll explain why. Apparently, engineers are not very talkative. If I need to get my engineers to talk to another engineer or another engineer to explain why he does a good job, if he writes code and he talks about his code, those that are good, will be very passionate. They'll talk about it with passion. They'll explain this. Best example is our buddy Jay. So we interviewed, wanted to hire a candidate, and there was a question about his interviewing skills. Did he interview well, did not interview well? I said, I have a great idea. Let's send him homework. I'm asked to build basically what we were building in the UI. And in three days, he built more code than we had in the product at, the, at that time. And he came in and he spoke it with tons of passion about why the UI needs to be like this and why is this operationally ready. And the people that had challenges with how he worked basically kind of went out the door and said, you're right, through a grumble, and, <laughs> and, and left. And the, the homework since then has been a very important part of my interview process. 
because it tells me how committed you are. I'll give you a couple of other examples that happened recently. We gave homework to a candidate and he wrote some crap code really fast. And when we asked him to fix it, he gave us explanations any very detailed explanation. And I was asking, yeah, but why are you not doing this in the code? And he wrote, he wrote another big explanation. And what I was telling my dev team is this is a good example of somebody that wants to talk, not the code. I don't need a talker. I need a coder. And so, so let's spend a few seconds on the homework because we, we certainly sh share that experience and, and kind of knowledge of what do we mean with homework, but, but it's, it's worth just mentioning as a, as a recipe, right? What that means going back to like smart and get things done. Like it's, it, you can tell if somebody's smart in like 10 minute conversation. That's the easy part of the interview. A lot of people are smart or, or the ones that are not, you'll, you'll figure it out quickly. Uh, but as D says, like many times, sometimes we go, we interview and the, the person is just not good at interviewing, let's say not good at maybe opening up or being social and giving good explanation. Sometimes you also have some kind of unconscious bias, right? Towards somebody, it, it just happens. It's a fact of life and we all try to work away past that. So, so we need some neutral way to assess knowledge and, and a way to remove any kind of biases we have. So what we have done is we would give a homework. So what would be for us since software development, it would be a small software project. And we, we would say like, about it'll take maybe a day to do right if you, you spend a day on it it will give person a week to do so just because look if i give you something to do for tomorrow you might not have tomorrow free and when people complete it it shows a couple of things is like one they, they know how to code right and and then two as, as you review what they have done it, it gives you very very good insight of how good or bad of a coder they are and the approach and maybe maybe they're going to impress by doing something really fast you have that like ready the next day incomplete but like super fast or they might take a little longer and they will impress you how thorough they are like when, when jay submitted his i, I still remember it not, not only did it do everything that we asked it to do? It had full test coverage, full explanation of how to launch it, how to install it, what infrastructure it needs, like absolutely you could think of. He, he just did he just did an amazing job. And kind of why is this kind of, um, let's say, good way to also remove biases because it's it's just fact, it's data. It's like, hey, it's here, it's working, or it's not working. And also if you end up giving the same homework, which which we did, we had like a small library of, of homeworks that you gave depending on the background of the person, we'll, we'll give one or another, but it was the same homework given to many people. A lot of, we could compare also from candidate to candidate. There's one that we use for interns, we've, we've given like hundreds of times, right? Yep. So we had like hundreds of samples. So we knew many different approaches to take it, many different ways to succeed or fail. We'd also hide like tricks in it. My, my, one of my favorite one and not very complicated. So, Hey, add a delete operation, make sure it's unimportant. And then nobody read that part. And they're always not making that important, which is fine. In reality, I didn't expect them to pay that much attention. I was there so I can go back and point out that there is a bug, right? And it's like, Hey, it's not that important. And then see how quickly can they fix it? How do they fix it? How do they react to it? Like, what did you saying before? Will there be an excuse or a quick PR put up that will go off and fix it? So, so, so the, the, there is, I won't say it's like art. It's, it's more like science. Once you get into this, yes. uh, giving this homework really will tell you a lot about the candidate. And the thing that this is really important, this is a pet peeve of mine. One of the things that to make the hiring process scientific is critical to remove biases. We encountered sometimes biases with, t with our team, even with our team, be because people don't realize that they have biases. 
And the, the first question we've asked is, how did they do on the Java test? And if I got excuses about work-life balances and we don't think that they're a good cultural fit, I say, how did they do on the Java test? And if they didn't do the Java test, I'm sending a team to make sure that the candidate does do the Java test and then we compare the numbers. And if somebody didn't get the numbers of, of found bugs in the Java test, I don't care what the team has to say about the person's personality, because that's the thing that matters. One thing worth mentioning, is, and it's really small, just thought of it is because we've given the test the same time, many times, one question might arise, like, what about cheating? It actually has happened. We had, we had somebody cheat, but honestly, it was very, very clear because after, after they're done, right, and after we reviewed the code, we asked questions about it, right, whether it's then like an in-person interview or the phone, and it becomes super clear if they actually did the work or not. So, so even though it's take home, do it on your own, there, there, there is no cheating around it as well. So that, there's even a funnier anecdote about this. So Dennis and I used to interview interns in, in Amherst. Oh, yeah. So we gave the same Java test. So we got, the reason that this Java test was invented was very funny, because we got to the Cisco booth in Amherst, and we had nothing. UMass Amherst. UMass Amherst. UMass we, Amherst. Had, we had no giveaways. We were standing between Facebook and Google that gave amazing giveaways. Amazing giveaways. They have, like, real budget. And they're Facebook and Google versus Cisco that we had to explain that we're not the food company. We are standing next to banks after the financial crisis, yeah. right? Who, who had better giveaways than us. We, we had, I was also mad at pens, the, the, the pens. We had pens and the pens were broken. Like yes. each third pen did not work. Yes. So we improvised. What did we do? We said, we print out the Java test. I, I, I used my charms and skills to get the admin lady to print out our Java test. And we, the candidates said, we're not willing to talk to them until they get the Java test. And apparently the FOMO is a really cool thing because people are not, they, once we told them we were not willing to talk to them, everybody wanted to talk to us. Mm -hmm. we it creates made a little bit of competition between them, yeah. And, and we made use, good, good use of the pens. We told people that they can keep the pens because... It, it's also a point broken. of efficiency. Remember, if, if, if you talk to a person, right, you can only talk to very few people in parallel. But, you know, if you have a test, we just give out the test to everybody. And if you're only going to talk to the people who... who can do something with it, right? Now, all of a sudden, you cut the number of people you have to talk to by, by 80%. Yes. And and the ones that you end up talking to are, are better candidates. We're pretty brazen, too. Like, yes. they'd go into, like, the Google and Facebook lines, and while they're waiting to talk to somebody there, we'd give them the test and see so, if you yeah, can feel exactly. them off. In, in the meantime, you can do the, the test while, while, yeah. while you wait in line. The funny thing is that one candidate, we know because we hired a couple of people from them, tried to do the test several times, at least twice, and three, three times. We went there three years in a row, and the same person, ended up, I think, went from undergrad to grad. Yeah, I, I, I just remember that person. Uh, we took the test three times. and Never succeeded. He even took it yeah. to his room, put it in the computer to find the bugs, and couldn't, find, and couldn't pass yeah. it. So uh, th That test, ju just for the audiences here, it wasn't to write code. Uh, it was a code review test. So, so we had a Java application. It was exactly one page. Right, so it's easy to print a handout and was littered with bugs. And the, the question is, well, go and find all the bugs. The Dennis's, more you find... It's Dennis's old hardware code from uh, the Symmetrics days. The, <laughs> the, 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 the more bugs you find, the higher in the stack your resume will be. And what we would tell people is we just like, when we hire, we just go down the stack until until we fill our positions. The question was, well, can I apply even if I didn't take the test? Sure, you can apply. It's just your resume will be at the bottom of the stack. If you have to reach that far, you have to reach that far. But, but you know, the candidates at the top, I'll yep. get the first call. Yep. Dee, I had like actually two, two things I, 
I think that are important to mention too in, in, the, in the Viking world of what is important. I think number one, and I hope we can spend a few minutes talking about is, is delivery. Uh, yes. making sure that everybody delivers and number two is a common common goals yes. and maybe maybe you can take off on the first one the continuous delivery and then then we can talk about the importance of of common goals so delivery and completeness of delivery for me is if you remember we were just saying that there's a tie-in with security at some point mm -hmm. so for me when a, an engineer delivers code i need them to to build the tests i need them to know and own right now Every MMF, every unit of work that we deliver in terms of a feature has somebody that is a one throat to choke. And they need to know everything about it. Why did the customer want this? They need to explain this to our marketing guy in a clear way. Why are we building this feature? How many, what business will this bring us? And they need the completeness. And when I say completeness, they also need to understand the security aspects of this. Mm -hmm. So right now, the team is pushing me of making sure that our GitHub is SSO'd with Okta. We have MFA in place, but they also want us to be SSO'd with Okta because this is the completeness and the completeness of the delivery. People worry about the test and the automation and the in the UI com component and everything with, with that. Even to the level that they're thinking, how would the customer consume this? And they want to listen in on why did the consumer, how did the consumer find this finding? Does that make sense? It, it makes sense, yeah. And design partners. In, another aspect for me too is what I liked us doing is um, I'm going to throw Agile out there, which is my favorite engineering process, but but there are many others that will work. But but the key there was weekly delivery. Yes, uh, the demo. The, the demo where you show, hey, this is what I did. And when when you do the demo, it, it's it's very positive, of course, but people can also question is like, why why the hell did you do this, right? Or who's going to use it? So so there's some scrutiny as well to make sure there is alignment. And then weekly deployment to production. Yeah, yes. Kind of like, yeah, hey, if it's not if it's not in production, kind of it's it's not. Well, who done. cares? It's it's not it's not worth anything to me, right? We went to right now delivery for for our preview environment every hour. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, of course, like you want to go faster. It's, it's, it's all about the process you follow, but, but some, some like you need to show progress, continuous yeah. progress. Well, a, you need continuous progress and two, there should be a checkpoints where you sh see that continuous progress from, from everybody on the team, because, because you're all in one team, you're all rowing the boat forward. Yes. And the demo, by the way, the thing that is really important, at least from my perspective is bring all the stakeholders there, bring mm -hmm. the sales, the sales engineers, get them to understand the product, understand how to market this, understand what the problem is that you're solving. And this gives visibility into what we're actually building and how are we doing compared to what we promised. And alignment too, right? Like if, if engineering is, is runaway and is building something, sales Nobody doesn't cares. care, that, 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 that's kind of a waste. It's a waste of, of time. It's a waste of your resources. Mm -hmm. Do you tie your team performance to any hard metrics of the business? Yes. Like yes. Having this feature bring that no, no, level no, of ARR? No. Is that, or having a customer happy with that? NPS score? Well, like, how do you tie it? So you have amazing and smart questions, right? So, so let's let, let's look at it before answering the detail, like one high level piece, right? And this is alignment of everybody to the same goal. And then I go back to the Viking ship, right? If you're on the Viking ship and it sinks, everybody drowns, right? And in, in your Viking ship, in your organization, I think the key to performance and incentives needs to be that everybody succeeds right? Or everybody fails. The, there isn't individual success. 
even if the rest of the team fails. This is actually where villages fall down, right? They can be individual success for one person or one team, even though another team is doing poorly. And the way the Alpha Project at Cisco was set up, certainly, right? And the way Genie is set up right now, there was no way for Didi and me to succeed individually in that Alpha Project unless the whole team succeeds. Correct. Right? If, if either everybody's bonus pays because we, we reach our goals or, or nobody's. Right. And in startups, either everybody's equity is worth something or, or not. Right. And, and, and this and is you hit your ARR goals yeah. for us is everybody yeah. cares about the ARR goals. So, so this is on the high level, right? You know, better everything you do is aligned to the goals that will make your startup successful. If you start going further down the way I kind of looked at maybe I like to simplify things because life life can be too hard. But hearing for me has always been responsible for execution, like delivery of a feature, quality of a feature, scalability of a feature, ability of a feature, security of it, and so on and so forth. But product, as somebody who takes a product role in, in, in your organization, they are responsible for the feature. They actually, it's valuable to a customer. So it, it's a throat to choke, right? If, yep. if my team doesn't deliver, it's my throat that gets choked. And that's okay. That's what what I deserve, right? But if you deliver the feature, right, in, in partnership with, with somebody on the business side, and then customers don't care, well, that's a throat to choke. Because yep. guess what? If, if you're asking me to deliver things and then nobody cares, I'm not going to deliver for you anymore. Yep. I'm just going to do something else. No, not, not something random, obviously something that I believe or somebody else believe will, will push the business forward. So Letal, back to your observation. Yeah, absolutely. Like there is a tie in to growing the business and it's a shared responsibility, of course, of everybody. But you know, folks who are requesting functionality to be built by the engineering team will take the majority of accountability uh, of it being adopted. Because if it's not, why did we waste our time on it? Agreed. I think this is the point in time I look at the clock. Let's do the the the, the, the game. Let's do the game. This and, is time and for if, a game. And if Dennis has more stuff to say, he can stay for the, the second segment. We can do the second one. We can talk about it. I, okay. Is it the game that I get to win and lose or only lose? You just lose. I just and lose. Now. It's a lose-lose situation. Prove you're not a robot. Three final authenticating questions for our guest. So Dennis, if you were a security superhero, what would be your name and who would play you in the Hollywood movie? And no, Vladimir Putin is not an option. So it has to be somebody who is an actor. Exactly. Okay, and cannot be a Russian actor who like could be it, Russian. It could be a Russian actor. Right. No, no, I, I, I will be, I will be Mr. Awesome then. And I want to be played by Bruce Willis. But you do have a hairline. Bruce Willis is more of a my, me thing. You need to find somebody with a better hairline. It depends on what age of Bruce Willis. J just wait. He used to have some hair before. If, if Morocco doesn't do well again in the next World Cup, I'm sure my hairline will be even, even further cut. So I'll switch <laughs> question number two because the, I don't want another RSA-er. But now you need to answer the, the important question. Well, if, you, if you mentioned Bruce Willis, this is an important question. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And if so, explain why. Of course, it's a Christmas movie because it sets on Christmas. And actually, you made me think now that I realize that my kids have not seen it yet. We can watch it tomorrow. I don't Christmas. think our kids saw Die Hard. Of course they did. 
Really? The, the boys did. Okay. And this is, I, I, by the way, I am of the, this is not a Christmas movie. At least. Why would it not be a Christmas movie? He has a Christmas hat. It, it does have a Christmas hat. It yeah. happens in Christmas. Every, the, the setting is in Christmas, but it doesn't have. Ah, that. I get it. There is no shopping. Party, pal. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. It, it wouldn't be on Hallmark. I don't know. So that's a that's a that's a an active discussion. Question number three: What new revolutionary technology and innovation will arrive in the next fifteen years? And you can't say AI. Please don't say AI. You can say, but no, it's no. already here. <laughs> so, so guys, I switched. I switched to now life sciences. This, this is my new adventure for for the next couple of years, at least. So, I, I think. This is what I'll focus on. Certainly biology and what what the folks are doing in biotech is, is just amazing, right? I'm I'm hoping for a lot more cures of diseases and I'm I'm hoping maybe we can even start extending our lives by twenty, thirty years, forty years, and that will certainly be very revolutionary. The advances in biology today could be could create as much disruption as advances in technology in the mid to late nineties. We we are living in uh, exciting times. This is awesome, by the way. I'm a big believer in CRISPR. I think I say this. Big believer, both of us. I mean, the fact that you can actually cure disease by changing the genome—it's crazy, and it's working. There are a few diseases then. This is going to be a thing. And, yeah. and the thing to talk through is, of course, security of the whole thing too, right? Because, of course, if, if somebody goes and hacks into industrial power plants, it'll be very disruptive and people will die from colds and, and, and it's horrible. But if somebody releases a pathogen that has an incubation time like, like COVID does or like COVID did and is deadly, there will be millions and millions of lives lost, maybe billions. And that is also a possibility in, in the new world. So we'll have um brave new challenges to overcome in the coming years okay. yeah it's super interesting we can have just an episode about that like people can maybe insert malicious code into vaccines they're all printed yeah. basically that, that's a brave new world that yeah. we can think about yep so dennis if anyone wants to learn more about how to build teams what you're currently doing um give us like 60 seconds of your company contact information and how we can find more about it. Yeah, absolutely. So as I moved from cybersecurity to life sciences, I'm a co-founder of Genie Life Sciences. And what we do is we're building the world's most convenient and reliable liquid handler and we're building a software platform to manage laboratory instruments. It's a new and exciting development in this field. If you want to check us out, please go to Genie Life Sciences dot com and you can always shoot me drop me an email as well i am dennis at geniallifesciences.com well that was a pleasure thank um you, dennis. anything thank you for having summary? me here guys this was so much fun awesome i hope everybody you. learned some helpful tips about how to build your viking ships thanks dennis thanks Didi. thank you for our listeners thank you for joining us Please rate, review, and share with your friends. The Didi and Lital Show is sponsored by Hunters and Oat. Get us weekly wherever you get your podcast. Have a great week. See you soon.